The Reporter's Report is brought to you by the Foundation for Artistic Radio Telecommunication Sciences and the Jean and Jeanette Lambaster Trust. This is part two of part one of my interview with Louis Appleseed, author of Dance Macabre, Dance of Darkness, My Dance with Destiny. So how did you stack them, uh, horizontally or vertically? Well, I stacked the, the bottom one vertically. Uh, the second one I, st- I stacked horizontally. So the bottom one's vertical. You have a cross log on top. Correct. Running correct. horizontally. Yes. Perpendicular. Right. To perpendicular it. to the yeah. ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, parallel to the ground, perpendicular to the other log. Excuse me. Yes. Parallel to the ground, perpendicular to the other yeah. log. Yeah. Did you support the, the T... Uh, structure at all like on either side no actually there weren't any other logs so So i just had to balance you had two logs yeah that's it and you you had a t-structure going on Mm -hmm. um and these were round logs correct yeah they're round Pardon me if I'm overstepping my boundaries here but wouldn't the top log roll off the the bottom log uh you are yeah you are overstepping so you get to this cat, and then what happens? Well, that's um, that's when what seemed to me to be the the caretaker of the the mansion, uh, very short man, extremely pale, very skinny, uh, gaunt face. Uh, his eyes appeared to be suffering from jaundice. Um, he comes running down the driveway, mm-hmm. uh, screaming at me. He was wearing uh, tattered robes. Do you have any video footage? I don't have any video footage, unfortunately. I'd like to see that. Yeah, I would, I would too. Mm-hmm. Just to see if the face that I remember in my head is actually what his face looked like. Because I remember it so, so horrifying. Mm-hmm. It looked like he hadn't eaten for days. Um, you could see the, the bones in his fingers uh, protruding. Um, he's a very scary man. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the one who ended up then leading me up the driveway and, and into the, the mansion. What allowed you to, to enter this mansion? I mean, usually you'd be chased away, you know? So exactly. They, they were doing this open house. It was sort of, a, a PR thing. It seemed as if they wanted to, you know, abandon their reputation as a, you know, a spooky haunted place on the outskirts of town. And they wanted to welcome the community in and show them at least the, the idea of being normal as if they, if, as if they, you know, weren't these bizarre people. Now, what, what, what group was this? Cause you said St. Creepy, uh, passed away. Were these, these, these were his followers. His followers. His followers. Mm. Yeah, I later discovered they were his followers. Um, they were um, a part of a cult that had been created around St. Creepy's mm. writings and beliefs mm. and, and, and benefaction. And they worshipped St. Creepy. They treated him uh, like a prophet. Are you good on water? Do you need any more water before we continue the interview? I'm okay on water. Okay, great. Yeah. So there's this cult mm-hmm. and you stumble upon it mm-hmm. and they're doing this sort of open house thing. Mm-hmm. What tipped you off that they were a cult? Uh, well, there were lots of occult objects 
throughout the house as I continued to explore mm-hmm. with the, you know, the group of regular people from, from mm-hmm. Grosport who were with me, which there was a considerable turnout of folk. Um, there were these two kids who I befriended right away, and they were the ones who had a lot of inside knowledge on this St. Creepy and his cult. They were um, two teenage boys. I can't disclose their names um, in order to protect their identities. Mm. But uh, they were, uh, they claimed they were mystery solvers. Right, the mystery solvers. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're familiar. Well, from the book. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you mentioned you you have a chapter on them. Yes, yeah, they're really interesting guys. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Um, I guess Grovesport uh, has, in you know, the past couple decades, had an influx of very um, bizarre occurrences uh, taking place in different parts of town, and these kids uh, always go and investigate and try to get to the bottom of it. Um, so naturally, they couldn't pass up an opportunity to explore this mansion that they've always been waiting to, you know, get their hands on. Uh, they told me that once before they actually, they climbed the fence. Really? Um, and they were chased off the, the property immediately. How did they climb the fence? Well, this is a funny story, actually. They uh, they also used logs. Mm. Um, but when they did it, there, there were a lot more logs available. Now, what was the structure of their log set up? So they had the same structure as me, but they had more logs. Mm, To support the T. Exactly, exactly. And then then one of them stood on top of it, and the other got on the other shoulders, and they heaved the the second guy over the fence. Right, like a human trebuchet. Exactly, exactly. Um, So only one of them actually got over. Mm. And uh, right away, he said that same man who chased at me when I arrived came after him. Ah. Jumped on his back, started scratching his ears, uh, yelling at him to, to leave, to leave, to never come back, that he wasn't supposed to climb that fence. This very short man, he he threw him back over the fence. Wow. I know. Remarkable. Very remarkable. Considering it's 20 feet high, he had yeah. to at least throw him 22, 23 feet to clear the fence. Yeah, I'd imagine. I mean, even at that angle, that's, mm-hmm. that's a steep throw. Yeah. Steep throw. So when they told me that, it seemed to me that these 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 people had some sort of magical powers. Mm. Uh, they were tapping into something bizarre. I mean, you could feel the energy around the mansion. Uh, obviously, you put up a big black twenty foot gate. It's gonna create a certain ambiance. Mm-hmm. You put up stained glass windows in every room in your mansion. It's gonna, you know create an ambiance but um it seemed like some sort of weird energy vortex this mansion talk a little bit more about the ambiance (coughs) of course um there was a lot of candles a lot of candles uh chandeliers but with candles wow uh no light bulbs no light bulbs no light bulbs every room had candles some had torches um, vast carpets, uh, bizarre paintings on the walls. Did the fire marshal know about the candles? I'm guessing the fire marshal tried to go to the mansion, mm-hmm. and the same thing happened to him that happened to the kids. And I, I bet they chased him away. Or if he got on the other side of the fence, they probably threw him back over. So on top of um, dealing with uh, 
an organization that was a cult and also practicing some sort of occult rituals or, or something mm-hmm. like that, you were also mm-hmm. dealing with a, a fire hazard. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, I guess technically, I wasn't too concerned about the candles. Sure, sure. That's interesting because ultimately at the end of the book, uh, you know, the house burns down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of the big twist of the story. Well, the house did not burn down because of the candles. Mm. Um, the house burnt down because I burnt it down. Right, yeah, you say that in the, the epilogue. Well, it's actually the last chapter of the book that I say that in. Not the epilogue. No, no, in the epilogue. I thought you mentioned in the epilogue. No, in the epilogue, I just talk about my journey home mm. and what it was like returning to daily life mm-hmm. after such a weird night. Right, so uh, here, I third sentence down, uh, second paragraph in, in the epilogue, you say, uh, after I burnt down St. Creepy's mansion. Uh, I'm not, I don't know about that. I'm not certain what copies of the book you have. I have the... the Did you just download a PDF for no, free it's, online? No, it's a printed, printed copy. It's, you, it's scanned from... The, I mean, these p- papers are scanned from the printed copy. They're scanned from the printed copy? They are, yeah. Really? Yeah. Because there seems to be a URL in the top left corner there. Our, you know, I only make money from this book if you buy it. Right, we bought the book, though. Well, it doesn't seem like you bought it. It seems like you just downloaded this from some website. No, no, we, so our intern uh, doesn't know how to scan, so we actually screenshotted this, so we just printed that out. Who's this intern? Oh, we, we fired him, it's irrelevant. Because of this book? Because of the download? No, 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 because he was, he was very rude. He was very rude. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. He wouldn't show up on time, then. So you get into the mansion. Yes. And I meet those kids. And you meet those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the what was the second thing you see? The second thing I see? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, the first thing I see is a liter of Pepsi just mm-hmm. sitting on a table. And then the second thing I see is that short, frail man who led me up the driveway uh, chugging that liter of Pepsi, mm-hmm. drinking it faster than I've, than I've ever seen anyone drink anything. Do you think that his ability to ingest carbonated beverages at such an alarming rate was uh, one of his supernatural abilities? It really appeared like it. I mean, the way that he slurped it down is probably three, four seconds. Right. In the book, you describe it as utterly primal. Oh, it was. And he let out one of the loudest belches I've heard afterwards. And then I didn't see him for a while. He scampered away and... I didn't see him until later that evening. Um, yeah, after that, um, a different gentleman appeared, and he seemed to be leading the tour. Mm. Uh, and he kind of seemed to be the guy in charge. How many people were, were on this tour? There were a lot of people. Um, there was probably about 20. Uh, the kids I mentioned, a lot of old people who, I, who uh, grew up wondering about this mm. St. Creepy fella. So I think they wanted to try to find out the, the mystery before they also passed away. Mm-hmm. And then there were um, a few other people I didn't really talk to all mm-hmm. that much. Now, there was one person in this group um, who, who I found, at least while reading the book, to be uh, by far the most, most obnoxious mm-hmm. uh, of all the 
of all the people in, in, in this group. And I don't know if that's a perf- personal uh, opinion or if that is something you intended in the book, uh, but could you describe uh, Kyle P. for us? Yeah. Um, do I have to? You don't have to, but I would like to know. Okay. Well, Kyle P., he was a um, middle-aged man. He's wearing sandals, sandals and socks. So right away I knew something was up. Mm. And uh, he had a really large camera that he was taking pictures with. And uh, every time we went into a new room, he would shout, Oh, ho, ho! I could live in this room! Yeah, when I was reading uh, your book, every time you mentioned Kyle P., I felt this very strong, visceral, sort of guttural anger mm-hmm. boil up in me, and I... I, I, I threw your book against my wall a, a couple of times. Mm. He was just a nasty person. Mm. Uh, he was not a nice person to be around. Uh, turns out, later we found out that he was a plant. He was a plant? Yeah, they, they, um, they planted him in the group to sow divisiveness between mm. us. Because a lot of the group really liked this, this guy. Mm. But uh, the other half of us could, could not stand him. See, you never mentioned that in the book. I feel like... I would have felt a little bit of satisfaction or closure. Like I said, I, I wrote it in one go, and so the most important hmm. details get in there. Yeah, it shows. And the, the stuff that falls through the cracks it falls shows. through the cracks. It shows. Yeah, thank you. So you're going from room to room. Going from room to room. We get to the trophy room. Um, all these animals that I guess St. Creepy hunted when he was younger. Uh, lions, uh, grizzly bear, uh, giant moose, giant moose, even had an octopus, a porcupine, <laughs> jellyfish. Um, so we get to that room and I'm inspecting the porcupine and then all the candles go out. Mm-hmm. Like as if a, 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 just a giant gust of wind sweeps through the room. Right. And a smoke starts filling the room. How did you see the smoke? I could smell the smoke. I couldn't see the smoke. The smoke from the candles? It wasn't from the candles. Mm. And that's what made it so suspicious. Mm -hmm. That's what got most of us on guard as to something else was about to happen. Could you describe the smell of the smoke? It was was a heavy smoke. Uh, If you breathed in through your nose, it really burned your nostrils. If you breathed in through your mouth, it, ma- it gave you dry mouth, but it wasn't. It didn't burn your mouth mm. or your throat. Um, it smelled like cedar. It smelled a little bit like a sauna, but as if a sauna caught fire. Mm-hmm. And then, after smelling it more and more, then it started to smell like meat. And then, out of nowhere, double doors open up, and five people, um, the small gentleman from before, the, the, the uh, taller, thin guy who was our tour guide, mm-hmm. and the three other people with him, mm-hmm. uh, are on the other side of the doors, and they welcome us into an enormous dining hall where there's a, a feast set on the table. Part two of part one is continued in part three of part one of The Reporter's Report.